This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady. At the end of today's episode, we're very pleased to share with you our first interview with Georgia State men's basketball head coach Jonas Hayes. But first, we've got a guest for part two of our Future Belt series, looking at Georgia State's soon-to-be new conference mates after the realignment saga. Today, joining us from the JMU Sports Blog to give us a primer on the deuce of James Madison, it's Todd. Welcome, Todd. Welcome to the Thursday Night Podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much, Jordan and Brady. It's great to be here. <laughs> really looking forward yeah, to great. talking with you. Great to be in the yeah, Sun Belt. <laughs> good to get you back. I mean, for listeners who didn't go the first time when this got published, I went on with them first. They're doing kind of a similar series on their podcast, and I was able to offer the, the Georgia State perspective. So happy to return the favor and have you on. And we can introduce James Madison properly to Georgia State listeners, getting ready for them to join the Sun Belt. And, you know, I guess we're just right off the top, yeah, what is kind of what brought you into the James Madison realm? And then further, what brought you into doing what you're doing with JMU Sports Blog? So Rob and I are old. Um, I'm class of 99 JMU. Rob is class of 97 JMU. Uh, I don't know. We got five or 10 years out of school. We were going to a lot of football games, uh, kind of enjoying things. JMU won the 04 National Championship in football, FCS. Very exciting. Everyone started getting on board. and. Um, the, there was no, there was nothing like this. There was nothing of any kind of like fan-led media, um, except the message boards, and that was an extremely negative and awful place to be. Scary, <laughs> scary, danger. Yes, Will Robinson yes, on message yes. boards. Yes, um, and and you guys will remember because this was uh, Georgia State's brief stay in the CAA was kind of around this time. So yeah, we actually started as a blog. We started a website um, in two thousand nine trying to cover all kinds of JMU sports. We went way overboard. I think both of us did not have children and were, you know, we had more time on our hands back then. Um, and I don't know, somewhere along the line, 2015 or so, we started the po- a podcast um, and we've been really fortunate that JMU uh, sort of, I don't know, reinvigorated themselves in football, won a championship at 16, and then people started paying attention. And now like there's, I don't know, two or three JMU podcasts and multiple you know, fan-led outlets. Uh, but we've kind of been around a while at this point. So that's what got us into JMU. We're both um, Virginia-based, Northern Virginia at this point. Um, I lived in North Carolina for a long portion of our, I, I don't know, whatever our little endeavors life has been. Um, yeah, that's why we're called the JMU Sports Blog, which is like the dumbest name ever. But I I, I guess at this point, it is what it is. So um, it says, <laughs> does, does what it says on the tin. That's you right. The title, that's right. You know what you're getting. You know exactly. Yeah, it's what it's yeah. funny. I, I don't know that I even mentioned it when I talked to you guys, but I, I mentioned my dad lives in Virginia, and I think I might have mentioned he went to Virginia Tech. But oh, yeah. my earliest memories of James Madison, obviously, there's an obvious connection with James Madison and Virginia Tech because what was it, 2010, 20, yep. 2009? Was that when they won? Yep. But it's my memory is not, yep. is not that yep. game. My yep. memory is the opener of Michael Vick's freshman year. So he My got first, hurt like, real, in a win yeah. over JMU, like yeah. a six-seven yeah. win or something. I mean, yeah, he did heartfield into the end zone, sprained his ankle. Because the thing is, is I was a sports kid, you know, like my fifth and sixth words were no Mark Garcia Parra. I just ate up all kinds of sports all the time. <laughs> there was a VHS of that like season that I wore out. Like I watched yeah. that and like Angels of the Outfield and Space Jam all the time as a kid. 
Yeah. I don't, I was probably one of the younger people to watch like a college football sports highlight tape. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've always, that's always, you know, it's not something I thought of a ton because it's like, you know, they were the first team and obviously they were the one double A at that point. But just thinking back is like the first time I've really thought about James Madison as an athletics was that thing from way back in my childhood. That's really funny. Yeah. And actually it's funny. Well, I don't know if we'll cover it, but the 2010 JMU team that beat Virginia Tech is the worst team in the last 22 plus decades of JMU football. Um, I, oddly enough, like they went six and six and there's going to be a lot of talk this year. Uh, JMU has not had an under 500 record in all of that time in about 20 years um, in football. And obviously this year, you know, that is the challenge ahead of <laughs> ahead of the Dukes. Um, and it's a, it's a tall order. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess kind of, kind of on that point, you know, football is obviously going pretty well. You could say it's lots going well in the FCS level, winning some national titles. So I guess leading to that, you know, it's obviously a bit of a risk, at least in the short term, potentially making this move. So why was now the time and how is the general feeling around with fans that this move is happening? Not only is James Madison going to a new conference, the Sun Belt, but jumping up to the FBS ranks in football. Yeah, it's been funny because we've had the same athletic director, Jeff Bourne, for, you know, since the early 2000s, um, for quite a long time. And it's been interesting to see him. I don't know, that's kind of a JMU thing, giving people, um, there's usually a lot of, people get a lot of room um, at JMU. There's some, some of that kind of Pittsburgh Steelers, like, this is our guy, we're sticking with it, kind of a thing. Um, I think traditionally at JMU, we're only on our sixth president since the school was founded in the, you know, around the turn of the last century. So like they tend to stick around and they tend to keep their leadership around. And one of the interesting things is, you know, when Georgia state and old dominion um, left the CAA for the FBS homes that they have been in the last decade or so, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm alone. Rob, Rob disagreed with wanting JMU to move up. I wanted to move up at the time. Um, a lot of fans were very upset, very angry with the athletic director. Um, I think it's safe to say it was the best decision possible for JMU to stay where they were the last 10 years. And now, like the entirety of the fan base, almost. I mean, you can't say the entirety, but 85% of the fan base is like fully, fully on board with this move at this point. Um, it's been interesting. I mean, I don't know, right? If Old Dominion, Georgia State, App State, Georgia Southern, if you all don't leave, does JMU do all the things we were able to, like, have all the success? You know, won two national championships, played in two more, hosted college game day twice. Like, all of these things that have happened in the last 10 years were probably better than being in ODU shoes, sitting at, you know, four and eight in the Conference USA most years. Um, or two and 10 and quitting a game against North Carolina with five minutes left on a running clock. Um, <laughs> you know, like he's got it. I mean, so I think that, but now I will say, I mean, the last five years, well, uh, yeah, since 2016, the last six, five, six years, the only thing that mattered was when we played North Dakota state in the championship game, like nothing else mattered. We won one, we lost three, but like every other game felt like a foregone conclusion. I mean, not that Jamie did occasionally lose a game here and there, but 
everything built was, towards one thing, you know, and you weren't really ever worried about making the playoff structure. And at that point you'd shown you could get deep into the playoffs. And so you uh, kind yeah. of had built up. And the biggest problem was actually the weird thing is that football was kind of the football was fine, probably. But the CAA, the conference where JMU had been, it was the other sports that had really fallen, right? You guys know Georgia State. There was a time when CAA basketball was a two and three bid league. George Mason was the third bid from the league when they went to the final four. VCU was an at-large when they went to the final four. You know, and once those things left and the, the CAA became a low major one bid league in most other sports, you know, JMU just won a national championship in women's lacrosse in 2018. And they did it by beating the absolute piss out of every team they played in conference and, you know, having to go way above and beyond to schedule out of conference. Um, the same thing with the softball run last year where they went to the Women's College World Series. They didn't do that on the back of the, the tough competition in the CAA. They did that by going to Florida and playing you know, Arizona State every other day, you know, for two months on the road. And yeah, I think the fan base is really, really excited. And the biggest thing was we never knew, just like you all, I'm sure, what, what, where was the place to go? Like everyone for a while wanted to go to the American. There was talk of the Mac at one point. Um, obviously, CUSA felt like it was available at any given time. But it didn't. It wasn't once ECU left. It wasn't particularly like attractive to JMU in the same way. And then the way this worked out this past year was just incredible. I mean, the Sun Belt East is like the conference that JMU fans have dreamed of forever. Basically, I mean, having the history. I mean, having played you all, but also the history. We a little bit of history with you know quite a bit of history with App State. Yeah. The one game, one game in football. Yeah, one game. Oh yeah, it was up in uh. Up in your territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and, I think it was a two-score game, which was good for the 2012 Georgia State team and probably yeah. didn't say a lot of good about the 2012 James Madison football team, um, but they're probably all right anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, just generally, that's where JMU sits right now. Um, really thrilled. The idea that Marshall came over, I think that's been almost like quietly... I'm not even sure JMU fans as a whole are quite aware of like the potential rivalry that's on the table. Um, you know, one of the JMU is located about 20 miles from the West Virginia border um, in the Shenandoah Valley. And like most people kind of forget, like our part of the state is very unpopulated. Um, you know, Old Dominion's obviously Norfolk, old two public schools in Virginia, you know, regionals, just like all the other Sunbelt schools, not the state flagship. Um, you know, so both kind of similar profile schools that's their app state, a lot of history with them. Good amount of, weirdly enough, a good amount of history with coastal Carolina, including a, um, an infamous mascot fight. Um, both mascots were escorted out of Bridgeforth stadium at JMU by the Virginia state police at one point, um, for, for fighting, um, Chauncey and the Duke and the Duke dog fought like, and it turned into a real thing. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of fun, um, you know, but the Marshall thing is really exciting because I think, like you all probably know, Marshall just feels like a school that's giving the Sun Belt some legitimacy, like this old school credibility that just comes with 
you know, like like App State kind of did previously. Yeah, I think if you did a poll of Sun Belt fans and they'd be like, "What single team are you most excited for?" Without being disrespectful to your team, oh. I'm talking to you, I think it probably would be Marshall. Yeah, um, because it's like this means something. That's Randy Moss, and you know, like we know Marshall, right? Like everybody knows this. Yeah, and for us, it's a three and a half hour road trip. Like Marshall hasn't had a team in Conference USA that they had a three and a half hour road trip. Like. Like, that's been weird for them. Like, I think they don't even know. I don't know. I have a friend who owns a bar in Harrisonburg, and he's like, he's not a big sports guy, but he's completely plugged into the Sunbelt thing because he has recognized that, like, we're going to have visiting fans in town on Thursday and Friday night for the first time ever. You know, we've been playing Northeastern and Villanova all these years who don't have, there's nobody coming to those games, you know? And now we're going to, I mean, you guys know. I mean, your friends down in Statesboro are going to, some of them are going to make the trip in an RV, right? You know, like, be excited about this kind of stuff. So it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess on the continuing on with that, like, there aren't, I mean, realignment stuff changes every couple of years. I mean, when we were two years ago, we wouldn't have been like, yeah, in Oklahoma and Texas are going to go to the yeah. SEC and start this whole train. But like, with all the teams that are there in FC and like other teams that have been making moves on this level, it kind of feels like one of the last chances James Madison was going to have, especially to ha- kind of have their pick and to have it be like not getting forced into like, we want to make a move. Like, like you talked about, I mean, g- seeing the teams that conference USA is like looking at as their next tier, like probably James Madison would have been on their call sheet instead of like Tarleton state. But like, yeah, it was going to get pretty bleak at this point because this is, feels like a pretty ground shaking one of the last big realignment things. I mean, maybe who knows? It does. Ten years from now, we might yeah. might be it's, doing it's a all of terrifi- it. It's a little terrifying to be doing this with like the NIL world at the same time. Like, I think that's probably fans' like biggest fear right now. It's just like it was always a big deal financially to move up, and now it feels like an even bigger deal. Um, potentially. And so people are a little concerned, but yeah, I, the, this whole, and I just, I think JMU fans have come to learn over the last 10 years, who, myself included, who was very upset that we didn't get to go to conference USA when, I mean, Charlotte was like, you guys in Charlotte were like, you just had football for like 10 minutes and you're already in FBS, you know, <laughs> like, and here we've been, we had like 20 years of, you know, history, 40 years of a program and we just were letting it pass us by was the feeling. But, I mean, huge kudos to the Sun Belt for what they've – they just never got away. They're, I feel like they're the only conference in the group of five that, like, never got away from the foundation, which is, like, we want schools that look like the other schools in the conference. And we want schools where the fan bases care and the market – like, it wasn't about markets, right? It wasn't about TV or – whatever. It was about like, does this school bring something to the table on the field or on the court? You know, um, does it, yeah. Or, or location, in, you know, in Georgia state's yeah. case, right? I, like I was going to say, I think we wanted the, a, a marker in Atlanta though. Yeah. Right. I think we yeah. are the outlier as far as that's concerned a little bit. Like I would not, <laughs> obviously fan base is still kind of growing here and I, but the success has been there. And so maybe it was a bet on the Sunbelt's part that, the football program would get better and the basketball would be what it's been, which has been the class of the Sun Belt since they've joined it. And so certainly I would at least, 
I would say thank you for, you know, flattering Georgia State a little bit with some of that. But uh, I think at the end that that bet also paid off as well. And I mean, like you say, you know, you learn a lot about these conferences and how they act and how Conference USA has responded to losing teams and how, I mean, even back to when Georgia State was in the CAA, how the CAA has been like, oh, you're leaving. You can't do the postseason. Uh, It's kind of shown maybe you're making good moves moving away from these conferences. Yeah, well, and I know for our fans, this year's we keep saying over and over, I mean, we're playing Marshall for homecoming this year. Like, even if we're three and five, that game matters to our fan base. You know, like at that point, you know, we're playing Coastal the last game of the year. Like, people are going to that game, whatever our record is, kind of thing. You know, I feel like when Georgia State comes to our new basketball arena, you know, and they're the you know, one of the big dogs in basketball, people, JMU fans are going to be excited to watch that game where we've just been playing in a conference with like Drexel. Like, I, I don't know. Like, okay. You know, like we have two teams in the conference, Hofstra and Northeastern that quit football entirely in the last 10 years, you know, like just stop playing. So, like, I, And it's just been hard to be in a conference where everyone is voting, you know, half of our membership in, in the football side isn't in the conference. Like our biggest games were Richmond and Villanova, and those teams don't care about the CAA because obviously Villanova's making, you know, who knows how much money they're making playing basketball in the Big East, right? Now it feels like we've already seen the Sunbelts restarting men's soccer with this for us. We've seen, um, you know, I think there's going to be women's swimming and diving coming back. They just were talking, they're talking about field hockey, which is why JMU's holding back from making a move. I mean, it just feels like you have a bunch of schools who are reasonably similarly positioned in their states. And they all kind of are on the same, like they're all voting from the same place. I don't know how you, I mean, Georgia State, like I'm assuming in the state legislature in Georgia, right, there's a bunch of, Georgia people and a bunch of Georgia Tech people. And then there's some Georgia State people. But like, we know where that pecking order lies in terms of asking yeah. for money and asking for things, right? The and that's mayor, where... <laughs> the new mayor has a degree, I believe, from both state and tech. So there we got go. representation in the mayors in the... In the... <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, kind of moving, we've talked about football a good bit. So we yeah. maybe just go a little more granular on that. Just, you know, expectations are always funny and especially with this jump because you've seen teams like Georgia state that, I mean, Georgia state and JMU when they're making their moves are not at all in the same place at all. I mean, Georgia state football made the move because it was a time where they could make the move, not that they were ready for it. Whereas JMU is coming off some good, impressive FCS teams, but obviously they struggled uh, in those times, but then you've also had app state who after about half a season hit the ground running and has not looked back. And so, You've kind of seen all the worlds play out with these Sunbelt teams that have made the move in the last decade. And I guess where are the expectations really at right now for JMU? Relatively high still, but I think, I hope that our fan base, first of all, we're not coming into the Sunbelt that App and Georgia Southern came into. Like App and Georgia Southern are now here and they're good. And, you know, Coastal's good and Louisiana's good and there's, there's people who care about this now already. Uh, and that's without even mentioning Marshall and Old Dominion, you know, like the other new teams. Um, 
So I think there's a realistic understanding that it's a big step up. I will say, I think JMU in year one this year is pretty well prepared from a roster standpoint um, to be pretty competitive. I'm kind of interested in what happens in year two, three, and four, where if you had asked me this a year ago, I would have said two, three, year, oh, we'll be fine. Now I just think JMU needs to get its house in order in terms of like transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff. Um, you know, we just lost our middle linebacker to Texas. Like, you know, like everybody else in the Sun Belt, we're in the same boat now. Our leading wide receiver sophomore is playing at South Carolina this year. Um, you know, so we're just like everybody else all of a sudden, and not just this like marquee FCS thing anymore. Um, so there's some of that. But I will say this year in football, uh, it's tough. I mean, I think the real, the realistic hope is maybe we can be 500, right? Anything over fi 500 or better would be a, a phenomenal success this year, I think. Um, anything over four wins would be like, no one's going to scream and yell, I don't think. Uh, but it is going to be uh, some cold water on a fan base that's gotten used to winning 11 or 12 games a year for a long time now. Um, but we have, I, I don't know, I mean, not that you guys want to hear all this, but with five, all five, basically five offensive linemen coming back and like four running backs. So they're going to like slowly but surely be okay. Um, there's a transfer quarterback from Colorado State, uh, a pretty promising couple of young guys behind him. You know, remains to be seen. Um, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be the high-flying show we've seen in FCS. I think there's going to be a lot more grinding out. Our coach, Kurt Signetti, is a you know, football, true football lifer. Dad was the head coach at West Virginia at one point in his life. Um, coach was an assistant under Saban in Alabama. You know, it, like he knows the game and he'll figure it out. And, uh, and I don't think Jamie's in any hurry to, you know, nobody's mad at the coach right now, generally. I mean, there's always a part of the fan base that can, can blame X's and O's from last year's playoff loss or whatever. Like, but generally, I don't think, I think there's an understanding that we're in good shape. Um, but the conference is really good. And Jamie plays Louisville out of conference. Uh, so, you know, we play our one FCS game against Norfolk State. That's probably our only, that's the only gimme on the schedule. Um, JMU's paying a whole bunch of money to Middle Tennessee to make sure that our very first game as an FBS program is, is against another FBS game, FBS team at home. Um, but that's probably a 50-50 game as well. So I just, I think there's going to be a whole lot of 50-50 games in the, in the league this year. Um, I think we have Texas State and Arkansas State from the West. So that's actually pretty, um, that's a soft landing from the from the western yeah, teams. At this point, as far as we can tell, I mean, yeah, 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 the West is basically like there's five teams that could make a jump, and it's like the space is begging for someone to do it, and it's just a matter of who's actually going to do it. And it might just yeah. be Louisiana again yeah. with a new coach. I was just gonna say, correct you and say, absolutely, what we want is you talking about five offensive linemen and getting into the college football yeah. sick of detail. So do not feel bad about going in deep there. Um, no, I. I did want to ask, you know, you talked about the consistency with the president and with the athletic director at all, and it kind of followed through with the coaches because I feel like coaches have been there. And I think the thing that gives me the most idea that JMU is probably going to be okay is that 
you've gone through what three coaching changes in the last decade and not missed a beat. You you yeah. had two go to FBS teams and now you've still got Signetti here, but yeah, it's been incredible. Um, we talked to a woman from Arkansas State, and they had they had had a period where they did that too, right? They had a period where they kind of kept changing coaches and they still kept winning, and then it finally fell off the rails. And somehow JMU has kept it, you know, kept it moving in the right direction. Yeah, um, Everett Withers went to Texas State, did not do well there. Uh, Mike Houston is still at East Carolina. Um, you trending know, up, trending up. Yep. And, uh, and Kurt Signetti, you know, came to us from Elon. It was interesting. Kurt Signetti is the, was for, we had like a four year stretch there where we only had one loss at home and it was to Kurt Signetti. Uh, our current coach had come in and beat us. And uh, the, the legend is that his, in his interview, um, he brought a binder and explained the 10 reasons why they beat JMU with like inferior talent at Elon. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nobody knows if that's true or not, but um, yeah. just believe it's true. And it's awesome. It's a great story. Yeah. I, I will say I, for all of our fans, a lot of our fans have had a little more. Um, Signetti is a program builder. Like he is a recruiter first and foremost, and a like lifer football guy, college football guy. Um, he seemed to come in with the attitude that like he's in his late fifties, I don't know, almost 60. And he kind of wants like, this is a good job for him to be at for a while. Um, as opposed to some former coaches that maybe it was a stepping stone. Um, and our fans have had a little trouble. Signetti has not, his teams have not been as dynamic, like from an X's and O's standpoint as the Mike Houston or Everett Withers eras. But we've kind of, I will say Signetti's probably the best positioned. Like I said, he was the recruiting coordinator for Saban at Alabama. He's probably the best positioned to take us up to the next level in terms of what's more important for us right now is like 300 pound guys. <laughs> like, like it really, like, I, I don't know. I mean, we may lose 24, 23 because we do something stupid, but like, I'd rather do that than just not be able to compete. And I, I feel like Signetti's probably a good person for us for the next, you know, for this transition period. And we'll see and down the road. Another thing that helps that, I mean, they just announced it a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. with the NCAA changing the rules, not limiting classes to 25, I feel like is like a cheat code for FCS transitions because you said that the roster is in pretty good place. And I'm sure maybe guys who are on partials are getting added to full and the numbers will work it's out. Weird. Like, We're it, really fortunate because we had COVID flexibility already. So we're moving up by moving up this year instead of next year. We already had, I think JMU had, so the, what's the scholarship limit at FBS is 85. The scholarship limit at FCS is 63. But the 63 was waived because of COVID last year. So JMU already had like 73 players on full rides last year in FCS. So like it really wasn't that big of a, like we didn't need to have a giant class this year or anything. Um, you know, they were there, there's probably, I mean, we'll see what happens when we actually play app state. Right. But, but I don't think there's probably ever been an FCS to FBS transition that had more advantages, um, timing wise than JMU has just, they really, they're going to be really close to 85 right out of the gate this year. So I just don't think, you know, should put them in pretty good. And the transfer portal goes both ways, right? We've lost two great players, but I'm sure we've also had, you know, 
we have a bunch of guys coming in from other places too, just like everybody else. So we'll see what happens, but I'm mainly, I'm just really excited. I mean, we have two really dynamic running backs coming back. One is a six year senior who got hurt last year. Uh, Percy, um, Ajay Obase, he's really dynamic. And another young player, sophomore Keelan Black, super fast. That's not even, I mean, feel bad because like our leading runner last year was Latrell Palmer and he's back. So there's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of players. Um, seems pretty good shape. I mean, obviously the quarterback is a question. Um, and I think the, I think the defensive line is probably the biggest question for us. Like, can they hold up in the Sun Belt over the course of a season? You know, we have some fast guys who can rush the quarterback, but I don't know. We'll see up front how we hold up. On the back end, we've benefited. We have some, you know, veteran safeties and some transfer corners who sound very promising. Um, so we'd probably be okay there. But, you know, and I don't think we've seen anything like, you know, we haven't seen like the coastal offense, like the creativity of that kind of stuff in the CAA in a while. So, It'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. And we've got a bunch of teams like Georgia State and ULM who like kind of started to figure some things out. Maybe. I don't know. You know, like, so yeah, we'll yeah, see. I mean, the East is just crazy. I mean, only one team among the new East either didn't go to like the FCS playoffs or go to a bowl game. Yeah. Southern Miss is like this the only team coming in like off a bad season, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess. Where I fall with all this is like Georgia State will know where James Madison is when they play because it's the second to last game of the year. And so there's a lot of these things up in the air. And by the time it comes up again, probably unless it's just one of those weird things where it's like every other game is completely different than the one before, we'll probably have an idea of what James Madison is as a football team by yep. that point. Yeah. I would say for your sake, I hope we do because if it's like that Jekyll and Hyde that it's still November and you're like, what is this team? That just seems like a miserable viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird with us because I do think this year that would be miserable. If both teams are terrible, that'd be miserable. But I'm hopeful with the JMU kids this year. Like they've never played in FBS. They're not bowl eligible. They're not conference eligible. But I'm hopeful that like just the idea of playing, you know, these FBS games is a big deal to these kids seems to be. So the motivation, I think, will be there. We don't play um, Louisville until November. So, you know. A lot of kids will still be fired up for come November, at least. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Switching gears to, yeah. the other, I guess, the big, other big sport, men's basketball. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. we have familiarity with the, your head coach who's going into his third year, Mark Byington, <laughs> who was at Georgia Southern for a few years and had them kind of in a good place. Their fans, I think, got a little bit tired of good, not great. And I don't think they were too upset to see him leave. But given where Georgia Southern basketball has gone since he left, I think they might, there might be some regrets there as far as that goes. But uh, as far as JMU is concerned, like, where is the thoughts on the men's basketball team heading into, again, not, another league, the Sun Belt? So I will say I, I don't think that optimi- – there is more optimism for men's basketball than there has been since I graduated from college in 1999 right now. Um, it's, a, it's been a sleeping giant for a long time. It's been very confusing why JMU has been lost in the wilderness for so long in men's basketball. Um, part of that was hiring a very famous alum, um, you know, uh, who had a storied playing career, but maybe wasn't ready to be a head coach. 
Um, but the, he wasn't the only one along the way. There had been multiple coaches that had done multiple, um, you know, multiple failed regimes here. Uh, Byington's been a huge shot in the arm for this program. Uh, just, I don't know what's happened. They have an unbelievable amount of kids like that are good. Now, maybe that is some of that good, not great thing. But we went through years where we had like one player, two players that you kind of like, were like, ah, they, they might develop. And all of a sudden, they have a whole roster. I mean, they're, I'm wondering like who's going to play next year. Um, they really didn't lose anyone off this year's team. This year's team was very good before JMU had the longest COVID pause in the nation this year. They had like a six-week pause in the 20... This is the 2021 team. <laughs> like, so um, after that win at, against UVA um, and, and some fun early season, they had beaten Mason, beaten Old Dominion, beaten UVA, sort of you know, games that mattered to our fans. Uh, just kind of the wheels came off from a COVID standpoint, injury standpoint, and they never got back there. Um, but there's a lot of excitement around this team, I think. And they don't, I, I can't figure this out, but so far we haven't been poached. Now, I don't know what that, if that's like a bad thing or a good thing. Maybe, maybe they're, maybe you guys aren't good enough. I don't know. But they don't seem to have lost anyone from say the top seven, you know, uh, the way that so many programs have lately. Um, I think there's probably a lot of kids that bought into, we have a new arena. It's two years. It opened in COVID. So it was really sad the first year that we had this brand new arena. It was awesome and nobody could go to it. Um, you, everybody got to see what it was like this year. It's great. Um, and I think there's a lot of kids that have kind of been waiting for this chance. And I think the expectation is in the Sun Belt, I think there's a real expectation of being competitive right away. Uh, and actually, I, as much as it pains me to say it as a football fan, um, Rob would want me to say, I, I think that's probably a better place to put our eggs right now. Um, in the Sun Belt, like in terms of just like maybe we have a chance to compete over the next five, six years in a way that like we'll see how it goes in football. Um, yeah, I think Jamie could be could be pretty good right away. Um, I, we'll see. I, I, again, there's it, just so but we we just don't know what we're getting into. I mean, you guys are really very good. Um, there's some other teams that seem to be starting to make an attempt here. Uh, yeah, basketball. my thing is yeah. We haven't really dug in, like I personally haven't dug in that much to like the rosters and everything for next year's Sunbelt teams. I'm kind of letting all that kind of play out. And then I'll, yeah. once it gets closer to basketball season, but my feeling right now is someone, and I don't know who, is going to be a surprise, like one seed, two seed in the men's tournament because Georgia State went to the tournament this past year. And I think we stand pretty firm in saying it's a good program and that there's a lot of optimism about Jonas Hayes coming in as the new head coach but they lost some guys. And so there's some questions as far as like right now, what the team's going to be. And past that, Louisiana is bringing a lot of guys back. They kind of resemble what Georgia State did this past year, where it's kind of like an unfinished business where they're bringing a lot of guys back and they feel like they missed something making the championship game and falling yeah. short. Mm -hmm. Past that, there's room for someone like James Madison or like whoever. And I don't know who it's going to be, but I think there's going to be someone who massively overperforms their preseason coaches poll ranking. And it's like, oh, they're that good. And it might be that like it's Marshall coming back from a down year, ODU, who's always been at least decent in basketball. And I, I just think Marshall and ODU just picked bad years to have their worst year in a while because it's like 
really? That's what the Sun Belt's adding? But I think they're actually both still really good basketball ads. They just didn't have a good That's, you know, I agree. to their last conferences. Yeah, and I think they care, right? I mean, I know ODU, I can't speak as much to Marshall, but I mean, those people at Old Dominion, like basketball is the thing, right? That's their, like, I know they've developed some football fans and that kind of stuff because they're the only game in town, really, in the Hampton Roads area in a, you know, fairly robust market. Um, but basketball historically at ODU is the real deal, right? I mean, you guys remember from the CAA days, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of history there and they, they get to watch Kent Bazemore and, and company play in the NBA every night, you know, like, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, um, I'm looking forward, I'm really looking, we are really looking forward to playing ODU and everything again. It's going to be really great for our fan base who just, I think has felt so, uh, just, you know, the old CAA was a Virginia league, right? I mean, it was JMU, ODU, VCU, George Mason. I mean, UNC Wilmington, at one point, Navy, American. I mean, it was a very, like, geographically clustered league. And everybody else has left um, for all kinds of reasons. And we've been kind of out there in the, you know, I guess William & Mary. But like, it's not the same as playing ODU. Um, and certainly yeah, I mean, a, yeah. William & Mary not be, being in the never made the tournament club. Like, obviously, that Eesh. basketball matchup is not... Um, bringing out the fans, bringing out the excitement, which no, hey, no. Yeah. on a personal note, I root for basically everyone who's in that never made the tourney club because like, I know what that feeling is like. And I feel bad that there's these programs out there that have been around for forever. that have never got that opportunity because it really is something special when you finally get to cut down the nets and you know, you're going dancing. Yeah. 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 No, uh, my brother, my brother's a William Mary alum and I, I wish them well every year. And now I can officially root for them every year in the CAA tournament, but yeah, you got a new yeah. CAA team. There you go. Yeah. Um, I guess the other you know major sport really to mention is baseball, and I think Georgia State and James Madison are kind of in similar place with baseball, where like the top of the league, especially with the ads of like Southern Miss, who just hosted a, a regional and a super regional, like it's really good at the top, and it feels like we're kind of going to be competing for the same real estate. And you know, when you look at you, you have what's probably going to be a first round pick and Chase Delauder. Is that kind of something where you can be like, well, we can at least get these guys in and they get drafted high and there's talent that we can get in that makes there be some kind of positive momentum about baseball? Or is it kind of like hoping more than expecting? Like, where is baseball fit in? That is like the probably the biggest question. I mean, I, I joked about basketball, like Jamie's been bad for quite a while, but there were you could pretty much figure out why they were bad. Like, like the recruiting was not there. The development was not there. Like there were things that just their arena was not there. The, there was a whole lot of things. Um, baseball's been a little bit more confusing for JMU fans. Um, JMU had, you know, some history in baseball and a huge, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Valley League, um, there's a summer wooden bat league in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley, the Harrisonburg Turks. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of teams that, and I'm sure there's some Georgia State players. I know there's a bunch of Southern Miss guys coming to the Valley League this summer, like where the college guys go and play. It's kind of like, um, it's like yeah, the Cape Cod League is here, yeah, and I, then this is like the next one down, right? I so there's quote you on the leagues, but Georgia State's definitely had people in some of these summer leagues. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and and it's a big baseball area where JMU is located. Like our fans, you you see it with our softball program. Like people just turn out in droves. I mean, we sell out 
not just sell out the stadium, but like have people sitting on a hill to watch softball like half the time. And it's been really confusing why JMU hasn't been able to do this um, to sort of rebound as a baseball program. I will say a little bit surprising, but Jamie just re-signed our coach, gave him an extension for two more years. Um, there'd been a lot of question when the season was over about what was going to happen with Coach Eikenberry. Um, he's coming back. I think that's a very JMU move, as I said at the beginning. Um, we're transitioning, and it feels like you got to give the guy a chance. Um, this year was a little bit tough. I think that JMU was well-positioned for a really strong run, and Chase DeLauder got hurt um, this year in midseason and never came back. He's the guy who's going to be the high draft pick. Um, Jamie still would have been the second seed in the CAA tournament had they been allowed to play in the CAA tournament. So, like, it would have been kind of interesting coming down the stretch. Like, I think this team, the pitching was there. You know, uh, they're kind of a unique thing. I will say Sunbelt baseball is terrifying. <laughs> like... It's really, yeah, really scary. Right? We went through it, and Southern Miss wasn't even here yet. And they're going right. to come in and immediately be the best team. All right. And Coastal's still sitting out there. And, you know, all these teams, right, I mean, are are really good programs. So, at the same time, I think it's probably a good thing for JMU. Um, you know, we've been joking. I, I All of our coaches, they're kind of figuring out for a long time, JMU has been a We've been a Southern school in a Northern league. And now JMU is a Northern school in a Southern league. And I think there are some like things that everyone's going to have to figure out on the both advantages and disadvantages to that, um, that are going to need to be figured out a little bit. Um, you know, can we recruit in the North? Like you want to come down here and play big time Southern baseball? right? The softball, like football, like these things, but you don't have to drive to Statesboro, you know, to do it. Like I would yeah. never endorse doing that. No, no. Right. I mean, so I, I think there, but I, that's a little, you know, I don't know. Our football coaches seem to be hung up on like, Oh, now we can go recruit in Florida, you know, cause we're in the Sun Belt. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, maybe we should just stay in Pennsylvania. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think Jamie baseball is going to be an interesting thing. I wish that they, I wish them well. I hope they figure it out. I, I don't know. Um, and I think it's a really hard league. I think in the end, it, you know, five years from now, I think they will be a, a positive for the Sun Belt uh, overall. But, and I do think it could take off. I, and you guys just watching this, do you all feel the same way we do? Rob and I have talked a bunch lately. I know we came off the softball world series last year. It just feels like college baseball and softball are kind of having a moment right now. Like there's I'm a real investing really seriously for the first time. Like I was glued yeah. to squeeze play during regionals. Yeah. Like I didn't, I, yeah, I never cared. And, and we've sort of built as a fan base, we've built over the last 10 years with softball that was always building towards that world series appearance last year to where our fans could tell you like pitch by pitch things. You know, um, and I think they could get there in baseball. Um, and I feel like college baseball in general could get there right now. Um, and, and I don't know why that is, but it just, it just feels like there's real momentum right now um, for yeah, those no, I sports. Definitely feel that. And, you know, you bring up softball. Obviously, softball is a big sport for JMU. And just kind of rounding out the sports talk for this. Uh, no, obviously, we appreciate all this time. This has been great. Uh, 
what are the other heavy hitters as far as JMU athletics is concerned that maybe aren't the bigger named sports, but that yeah. they have a lot of success in? Yeah. I mean, women's lacrosse is going to be the one next year. So it's a weird thing. I, people should just know, like there's no Sunbelt lacrosse. So JMU is going to be switched, moving to the American, which is really cool actually, because that's like Florida and Vanderbilt. Basically, there's no American teams in the American. It's, it's all the like... Yeah, I mean, Kentucky and South Carolina are going to be in the new Sunbelt for soccer. So there, Yes, exactly. So it's very similar to the men's soccer setup. Um, yeah, Jamie won the title in 2018 and has an unbelievable team coming back next year. Um, they have a... They, they, they're going to be really, really good in that. Um, Rob, my co-host, will tell you as a former high school lacrosse player himself... That, uh, you know, there's a lot of people at JMU would love to add men's lacrosse, but there are some Title IX hangups there. Um, I think JMU volleyball is a big deal. Uh, and I think that's going to be exciting. I think it looks like the Sunbelt's going to be, the Sunbelt has volleyball or it's going to have Sunbelt has volleyball. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's even some talk about beach volleyball and that kind of stuff. Anyways, hey, Georgia State's but, players in that made the yeah. yeah, there you go. Made a little oh. bit of a run. Yeah. The Beach Panthers. Um, yeah. And then I'm, try, I'm probably going to leave somebody out here. I mean, JMU swimming's good if, if we stand that up. Men's soccer, I mean, that's really exciting, men's and women's soccer. Um, I think in the Sun Belt with Marshall coming in, like as the 100-pound gorilla in the room, 9,000-pound gorilla in the room, like that's going to be awesome for JMU. Um, some history there and some good recruiting. Softball is the one that for – Sunbelt fans, though, obviously is the is the big one. And I, I it's a really, you know, we don't need to take this in a different direction, but it's a really tough time at JMU. JMU had a player um, commit suicide at the end of the season this year, one of their best players who had played in the World Series last year. And it's been really tough. That program's been dominant for a long for 10, 12 years. They've been knocking on the door of that college world series and they finally broke not just broke through, but like beat Oklahoma, which now I'm like, looking back, I'm like, they won a game against Oklahoma and went head to head on another game. Like, it seems even more impressive two years later, um, as well as they've played. Uh, but I certainly hope, just love that program. I think the school really loves that program. And uh, just everyone was so excited for the Sun Belt because of softball. Like to think like a James Madison, Louisiana, you know, random series in March is like a national story, you know, on, in the softball world. Like, and I, I hope that JMU can kind of rebound and find their way back there. Cause that's the other sport that I just, this community just really adores. Um, you guys should know JMU field hockey does have our very first national championship in 1994 was JMU field hockey, um, beat North Carolina. Um, good program. Still very good. I haven't, can't remember. Oh, they're playing independent this year because it looks like the Sun Belt is going to bring back field hockey in the following year. Um, so I haven't figured that Movers out. Movers and shakers. Yes, yeah. So I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, J JMU, I, to their huge credit, to the university's enormous credit, they have never sacrificed the other sports at the, you know, just to build up football or women's basketball, men's basketball. We didn't even talk women's basketball. I mean, yeah, JMU should be... Right out of the gate, they should be one of the best teams in the Sun Belt in women's basketball. Um, not to say I know the Sun Belt deeply, um, but JMU women's basketball. Troy, Louisiana are the, 
the big, big players every year for women's basketball. It would surprise me if JMU isn't right there right away. Um, they have a, you know, potential All-American candidate, Kiki Jefferson, coming back next year for her senior year. Um, long-time successful program. Really, this year was really rough with not being eligible for the CAA tournament and therefore essentially not being eligible for the NCAA tournament. It, you know, just really hard to keep the motivation up. I think this year was more the, uh, the average, this was more of the anomaly than usual. So, um, yeah, I think women's basketball, women's softball, both going to be ready to hit the ground running. And uh, I, I hope somebody does well because I'm nervous about football, right? <laughs> you know, like, uh, like I hope, you know, I hope one of these programs does well right away. So we'll see. So. And um, we couldn't let you go without getting just general recommendations for anyone making the trip up for whether it's football or seeing that new arena and definitely general recommendations. Also the food place you got to go in the area as well. Yeah. There's so, Oh yes. I love it. Um, there's a lot of good stuff at JMU. Um, Brothers Craft Brewing in town is a fun, it's kind of beer stop. That's our beer stop. Uh, Pale Fire is our former sponsor. Um, <laughs> they're really good. Yeah, a couple little breweries in the area. Uh, uh, actually, weirdly, a lot of vineyards in the Shenandoah Valley. So, I mean, if you convince the family to come, there's like some more, um, you know, spouse-friendly items there. Uh, pretty good. Uh, but... Jack Brown's, Billy Jack's are kind of co-owned, you know, mini, I don't know, mini chains, but great places in town on kind of Friday night, night before the game. Little downtown Harrisonburg has really developed in the last 20 years from being really sleepy to having some things now. Um, really, my favorite meal in town, there's a place called Cuban Burger, and they do this thing called a Chop Chop that's like a fancy version of Chipotle bowl. Um, it's really good. Like. I, that that's a good one um yeah it's a fun area the one thing i would say is like if you i mean the best thing about jmu if you can find you know if you can make the time for a trip is everything that's around jmu like you are in the shenandoah valley you are right below skyline drive shenandoah national park blue ridge parkway like if you go the other way up to the west virginia border the george washington national forest like incredible mountain biking hiking gravel biking, um, just beautiful stuff. It's a really stunning part of the country. And I just, we love it. And uh, yeah, our, our friends at App, we've been enjoying that uh, they have been, I hope that App and JMU and Marshall, App has been very excited that there are going to be two other schools in the Sun Belt who have snow. Um, like, like frequent, uh, you know, with some regularity now. And I would love to see the three of them um, come up with some kind of like Blue Ridge trophy or, you know, some kind of series or something uh, in that way. I mean, I know we'll have our big rivalry with ODU for sure, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, we love Harrisonburg. It's a really cool part of the country. It all smells like poultry farms. Sorry about that. Um, don't come when the wind is shifting from the north. But, uh, you know, like... Otherwise, it's it's really amazing, and and there's just so much fun stuff to do up there. Well, Todd, we definitely appreciate the time. I'm glad we could get the pay the favor repay. You know, get you on thank, here as well to talk about you. JMU. Sorry for being so long winded. <laughs> you know, we're uh, what three weeks away from official date, July first, and 
Not that long after that, fall camp stuff happened with football, and then the grind's going to begin, and we're going to be talking about Sunbelt stuff all the time, and the football season's going to get going. You guys are coming to JMU, right? The second to yeah. last week of the season? Uh, the 19th yeah. of November. Okay, yeah. So that'll hopefully be fun. I, I don't think you'll have snow by then, but you never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were just saying, like, it'd be so cool if, I mean, if you guys are obviously on the upward trajectory. Like, if you all or Coastal, those last two games, if one of you is very good, um, you know, the potential for that to be shifted to, like, a television, you know, onto an ESPN, right, yeah. off of ESPN Plus, like, or a Thursday yeah. night, Friday night kind of thing. Yeah. That, that would be a huge deal for, like, JMU fans, um, you know, to get to play in a game that matters like that. Um, in, a, in the big picture of things. So yes. we'll be rooting Makes for you guys to win games leading up to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for the time. Uh, best of luck all. as you continue to get excited about the life year to come and the sports they're going to provide for you. Hopefully it's football for you guys. Yeah. Like after all this talk, like I'm hoping you get some kind of payoff of football. I hope it isn't like the most medium uh, you know, season, like as far as possibilities. And it's like, well, that went exactly like we hoped it wouldn't. I got to <laughs> tell you. Something goes the right way. If JMU could go. So here's the thing. If they could beat ODU, everything else doesn't really matter. So we lost the two times we played. O- We've only played ODU twice. Like they were only in the CAA for two years. And JMU lost to Taylor Heineke twice it, during those two years. And so the, all these last 10 years, the ODU fans have just held it over us that we never beat them, right? So that's the first thing. But, you know, I don't know. If we play well in the app game or the Louisville game, something like that, that'd be exciting too. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys we very still, much for the time. Yeah. Yeah. We still have the ODU guys to interview at some point, someone from ODU. So we can't go too much out on a limb there and get in trouble when they come and talk to us. We can't right. be like, yeah, we're totally on board with JMU, but... Wish whatever of those outcomes you want. Hope it happens for you. Okay, good. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And before we let you go this week, Brady had the opportunity to have a conversation with Georgia State's new head men's basketball coach, Jonas Hayes, and we'll play that for you right now. Have a good week. Without further ado, allow me to introduce and welcome to the Thursday night podcast, Georgia State's new head men's basketball coach, Jonas Hayes. Coach Hayes, welcome. Brady, thanks for having me. I don't know how special I am. I'm just, uh, I'm just a another, I guess, a cog in the in the in the spoke and wheel, and I'm just doing my part. So I wanted to kind of start in the here and now because obviously in the last week everyone's been reporting back to campus or reporting to campus for the first time, and I feel like in the long list of things on the checklist when you took the job of like this is leading up to the opener, this feels like a pretty significant one. So I guess how's it been? having everyone back in Atlanta? It has been every bit of what I thought it was going to be. It's an exciting time. Uh, our guys are working their tails off. Uh, I think they are believing in the mission uh, and, and trying to achieve more, elevate the program to uh, to some, some statuses um, that hadn't before been. Uh, building on the success and the foundation that Coach Lenin, Coach Hunter, and Coach Drizel before those, uh, those guys, and 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 so for me, I think it's an unbelievable amount of um, responsibility. I think we have to number one respect the past, but also build build on the build on uh, to a, a phenomenal future. And then just kind of moving back a bit, you talked in your opening press conference about 
how being a head coach of a college basketball program had been a pretty long held desire of yours. And so I was kind of wondering, as you were an assistant at some pretty big programs, kind of what the steps you were taking at that point to kind of learn about the future job that you were hoping to hold while also, you know, obviously balancing that with the being a college assistant is a demanding job. So obviously that involved a lot of day-to-day stuff for you. Yeah. So for me, I always remain focused on trying to do right by people, treating people right, um, building relationships and sustaining relationships with people. When you, I think we, we do ourselves a disservice when we try to overcomplicate things and all all life is, is the connection and and building of relationships with people, treating people right. And I know that I don't want to be simplistic, but do as do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. And just the empathetic piece, allowing yourself to, to, uh, just for a moment, uh, ever how short that moment is to place yourself in someone else's shoes, um, and treating people right. I think is at the core of who I am and, my, my dad and mama used to say all the time, Jonas, it is so easy just to do the right thing by people and for people. You know how much mental adjustment, the mental energy you have got to put your mind through to on purpose, deliberately treat people wrong. That's just way too much energy that's going in the wrong direction. And so for me, whatever stop I've had, whatever assistant coach position I had on my, on my route to be, becoming a head coach, I've always had the connection and treating people right as a, a, a central thing to who I am. And sticking with the uh, opening press conference, another thing that was, you know, you hammered home a good bit was just the idea of how Atlanta is an advantage in that you've got obviously a lot of high school players, but also current college players who played their high school ball in Atlanta and could maybe come home and transfer. And it felt kind of fitting that you know, the first two signees you got, Dewan Odom, Brendan Tucker, both high school guys who play in Atlanta. And so obviously, first and foremost, you're building a basketball team that needs to win. So that was probably the first reason you got those guys. But I'm sure you didn't necessarily mind the message it sent that right out of the bat, you know, words match with action. You got those guys coming home. Absolutely not. And so I guess it gives people, uh, when you're trying to paint a picture, it gives them a clear picture on what it's like to be able to play and share in your college experience uh, around your friends and your closest friends and your family. And so a lot of times you get kids to go off to XYZ University at whatever, you know, place city is set in and the parents and your family, your closest friends are not able to share in that experience other than the television set. Well, I think it is a huge advantage when you have so many kids that, that are elite in this, in this state, in this region, to be able to give them an opportunity to, to have an unbelievable college experience, but do it in the comforts of your home, but also do it where your mom and your dad and your cousin, your grandmom and your granddad is and all can, can, can share in that experience with you. And just kind of sticking with those two, stand out as transfers with some Division One experience. And obviously this team went to the tournament last year, but lost some contributors, so rotations, all of that stuff is going to shake out as you get closer to the season. But was the idea that you could bring in some guys that have played some minutes and that can offer, give the team maybe a more of a, a floor as far as like where they have starting at and the experience that they brought. So the, any guy we bring in, they're going to be great people. Number one, uh, but Dewan and, 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 um, and Brendan and even Jermaine, but those experiences they they've going to have, 
uh, and bring forth with them from their prior institutions. They've been there. They've done that. They have a certain level of discipline about themselves, a certain level of focus about themselves. You have those guys who are keeping, I like to say, the main thing, the main thing. And, and so the peripheral distractions that may come with a kid who's in college for the first time, they're not, they're not there with those guys that have come in from other institutions. And I think Georgia State and this basketball program that we're trying to build, we're going to benefit from that. And as far as the guys that are returning, obviously you got a lot that you have to do in the first months of the job, evaluating players and also just all the other stuff that comes with being in a new program. So how helpful was it aside from just how awesome it is to coach alongside your brother, but he was a coach on this last staff. And so as you're having to make quick decisions, you had someone you really trust who was there, maybe even recruited some of the guys you're looking at. I tell you what, not been having Jarvis Hayes on this staff uh, has been, has been, unbelievably key. I think he is the, he is the one thread that stitches the, 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 the recent past uh, to the present and to where we're going and to have him been able to help me navigate through all the behind the scenes jargon and red tape that you have to go through. And you, when you're putting a, a staff together and a program together, building a program to have somebody who's had that knowledge uh, of the recent recent past, the recent successful past at that, I think that has been that has been huge. As far as the roster, our locker room guys that are returning, uh, the one thing that I was excited about upon this opportunity was that these guys they've won, right? And so it's not like you're trying to to create a situation where you try to paint a picture on what winning feels like. The guys in that locker room they've won before. And so for me, that's going to add, be an added advantage as we build this program and get ready to achieve some more. Um, they just whetted their appetite last year, getting to the tournament and coming within the eyelash of, of, of upsetting Gonzaga. Um, so that's, that's very, very exciting. And uh, obviously it's only been a couple of months, not been in the job that long, but even in the time that you've been here, it feels like the new convocation center has kind of taken a step forward in like you recently seen the, pictures published on Twitter of the, you know, the parquet flooring, the state of Georgia outline, Atlanta in all caps at the top of the floor. I mean, it feels like as we're seeing more and more, it's really ticking all the boxes everyone was looking for with this new arena. All I'm going to say game changer. That's a game changer for this university. Uh, certainly game changer for our, for, our, for our program. And, you know, the last thing I wanted to ask, uh, you know, when we talked to Coach Nier for the first time, we kind of asked him about, like, how's it been finding the city? You know, what have you enjoyed in Atlanta? And obviously for you, it's not a new place to explore. So I reversed that question around a little bit. What's it been like being back in Atlanta? Are there some places that you weren't in, you know, you weren't in Atlanta for that you're glad that you're back in a quick drive away from? The, the, the place that is really exciting to me that was not what it is right now is Punt City Market. Um, that, that place is freaking phenomenal and everything that it has to offer the neighborhood all up and down punts and North Avenue has, has totally transformed. So I've been gone for 16 years. And so it's like a different world. Um, but the, the, one of the things that was most exciting about this opportunity though, was an opportunity for me in our program to hit, hit the ground running the adaptation or the adjustment period um, was much shorter and smaller just because my familiarity with this region 
and his coaches and his grassroots teams and high school team. And so it's been, it's been a, it's been not seamless um, because, you know, you have adjustment periods and everything that you do. Um, but it has been, it's been comforting to know that this is a place that I grew up in. I was born here. I was bred here. When I no longer have life, I will be dead here. Um, and so that's, that's been very, very good for me. Yeah. We always bring up food wherever we can. So you mentioned Pond City Market. I have to just say everyone go, go to H and F burger at Pond City Market. One of the best burgers in Atlanta. Um, but, yeah. uh, Coach Hayes, uh, thank you for this time. Uh, look forward to continuing to speak to you as we get closer to the first season in the Jonas Hayes era at Georgia State. Brady, thanks for having me, brother. Go Panthers. <laughs>